The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? Week number 14, our beloved Chicago Bears back home after the bye to take on the Detroit Lions, a rematch of their Week 11 matchup, which was great for the Bears for the first 56 minutes of it. The last four, not so much. So an epic collapse and, uh, you know, people say it was kind of like a master class in watching Matt Eberflus get himself fired. Uh, You know, basically what not to do when you're trying to keep your job. And, uh, yeah, I'm hard-pressed not to agree uh, with that. So, uh, yeah, that's um, any remnants I had of of wanting to, like, keep Eberflus. Not that there was much left, but it was definitely – it's been 100% gone since that day for sure. So, uh, anyway, lots to talk about with this one. Our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit – is back to talk to us uh, about this game. Uh, we dabble in, uh, obviously, we're talking about the game, what's happened since then in the two games that the uh, Lions have played uh, since playing the Bears, losing to Green Bay, and then having to basically hang on this past Sunday uh, against the Saints after jumping out to a big lead, his concerns with the defense, and then we go off on a little... Uh, journey talking about the Bye Bye Barry documentary from uh, Amazon, uh, talking about Barry Sanders, his career, and his retirement uh, and everything, plus a very kind of off-the-wall theory that I had about why Barry Sanders retired uh, as early as he did, or or when he did, I should say, the timing of it and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, lots to get into. We got news and notes. We got keys to the game. We got our good friend Jeremy Reisman, so let's get started. This is the Week 14 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Coming off of the bye, I got to give credit where credit is due. And, um, you know, it even though it's only been two seasons and only a couple of opportunities to come off of, a buy, but Matt Eberflus has done very well in in and at least the team looking prepared, win or lose, um, the team comes ready to play after they've had a break. Like they 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 look as though they benefited from the extra time. Whereas Matt Nagy, um, in his four years as head coach, what eight opportunities at least, you know, at least one bye week in each of the four years, and at least one Thursday night game. Uh, as well, so the ten day break and everything. I think his record in those eight games was something like one and seven, two and six, something like that. And we always look so unprepared, uh, like like we just literally got together to practice for this game the day before the game was played uh, and everything. Got to say, Eberflus has looked. Uh, you know whether or not we've because we've we've all we've done since Eberflus has been here basically is lose and <laughs> so. You know, for the guy to be what seven and uh, seven and twenty-one in his first, uh, you know, season and two thirds uh, so far, 
not great, but the um, it wasn't like oh my god, we look so sluggish, like like we didn't just you know took two weeks off or or something like that. It's um, so I mean it's um, and both games actually because we we're coming off of the the mini by playing uh, the Lions. We just gotten done beating the Panthers uh, the week before. And now we're coming off a full buy this week at home this time uh, against the uh, Lions. So interested to see how will we be able to come out fast out of the gate like we did the first time around? And will we be able to do like we did in the first game and sustain that? Because you hear me, Jeremy, and I talk about that uh, a little bit, was that, you know, the Bears came out, started the game right out of the gate, 10 plays, 75 yards, bang, touchdown, right on the board, but the thing is, no need to get nervous, or for Bear fans, no need to get excited, because this is usually where the roller coaster ends, you know, for for all of the the plays, and and how good, and how sharp, and efficient we look on those opening drives, it's the second drive, and beyond, that are the major concern uh, for the Bears uh, on offense, can Getze put together a game plan outside of the first 15 plays that he scripted? History says no, because we're outstanding coming out of the gate when we're out there setting the tone on the opening drive. But then when adjustments get made, things get changed on the fly, it appears that Getze is uh, a man without a country because he just cannot put anything together. However, it was just the opposite in that Detroit game the first time around uh, three weeks ago. So can we do that and hang on to it for 60 minutes? Can we get out of our own way and stay aggressive playing to win until the game is actually over as opposed to kind of pulling up and taking the points, you know, here and there, going for the par instead of trying to shoot for the eagle. You know what I'm saying? Uh, As the golf analogy kind of thing. It's just I want the Bears to stay aggressive. Spoiler, Spoiler alert on what keys to the game are going to be this week. So let's go ahead and dive into the news and notes, and we'll start with the injury uh, report because it's actually a pretty positive thing for the Bears because I believe going into this game, we are as healthy as we've been all season. Uh, on, uh, you know, Larry Borum, I don't think he played or was, I don't think he suited up against the Vikings, but he was, he was plagued with an illness, tis the season, so that happens, but he's been full go so far this week on Wednesday and Thursday. Deontay Foreman, who I think was out against or was inactive at least against the Vikings, uh, full participation with the ankle injury. It's not even listing the shin as being an issue uh, anymore. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe was not on the injury report yesterday, but was on it today, limited with a knee injury. So hopefully that's nothing serious, maybe some stiffness or some soreness or or something. He is uh, a veteran, so that that's possible. Uh, Noah Sewell, who a few weeks ago, uh, you know, tweaked his knee or something and, and during special teams uh, practice and uh, was limited Wednesday, full participation today on Thursday. Here's one that's got me, uh, you know, I don't want to say worried or anything, but definitely one that I was not a fan of seeing. Equinemius uh, St. Brown, not the most productive wide receiver we have, but he's definitely a vital person to have on the roster, especially with how well he blocks uh, and every he is good for the for uh, you know a random key catch uh, here and there, but um, you know was not on the injury report yesterday. 
do not practice with a pectoral injury today. So hopefully that's not serious and uh, maybe just as a precaution or something that he was held out of practice today. We'll see how that unfolds on Friday. And Tyreek Stevenson with the ankle injury, full participation uh, both yesterday and today. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, and and one of the do not practice, of course, Mercedes Lewis, the 39-year-old tight end taking a Veterans Day rest. So, you know, I don't know why they have to put that on the injury list, and I say that every single week, but it still bugs me. So so aside from uh, Yannick Ngakwe and uh, Equinemius with their uh, injuries, we are, we're raring to go here. And uh, so, so basically, technically, we only have, what, two people? On the injury list, the limited Yannick Ngakwe and the not-practicing pectoral injury for uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Everybody else that's on the list is full go, so no limitations. They're going to be available, if not playing, uh, on Sunday. So to have only essentially two people on your injury list going into Week 14, that's outstanding. That is outstanding, which means you are at full strength, which also means you have no excuses. You have no excuses as to uh, what is holding uh, the team back uh, in this one. So, yeah, very, uh, very uh, optimistic view of of, uh, of the roster that we're bringing to the game on Sunday. So, very cool there. Uh, now that we're done with injury news, on to some other news and notes that we have here. Robbie Gold uh, yesterday, or today, I should say, uh, announced his retirement. Uh, after 18 seasons, 11 with our beloved Chicago Bears, one with the Giants after Ryan Pace let him go, and then six very productive uh, years in San Francisco with the 49ers and uh, went to a Super Bowl, uh, another one in 2019. Unfortunately, he lost that one as well as he did with the one that he went to in Chicago back in 06. Um, he did one of those... Um, like players' perspective uh, articles, and one of his favorite moments in his career uh, was kind of a twofold treat for him. It uh, won the game at the last moment with a uh, game-winning field goal in the divisional round at uh, Green Bay in 2021, I believe, 2020, 2021, one of the two. And uh, so, of course, it knocked Green Bay out of the playoffs. It sent the 49ers to the NFC championship game. And as a former Bear, it sent the Packers home early, uh, you know, in Lambeau, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it was just like he was a like we all felt as Bear fans that this, you know, Robbie Gold, that's awesome. And he was on the same page with us as a former Bear in, in all the years that he was in Chicago, I think they said he played against Green Bay 21 or 22 times uh, in his time with the uh, with the Bears. So definitely that's some deep-rooted stuff uh, there. Obviously, it's the majority of his career that he spent with the Bears playing against the uh, Packers and to be able to, you know, beat them in the snow, in, the, in Lambeau, on the frozen tundra, uh, send them home early and, and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of like... And and I believe the the words were like it was the best of both worlds, you know. He was able to win one for his team and also, uh, you know, do a favor to his old fan base, which is in his heart, his home. He's uh, he's never left Chicago even after uh, he stopped playing 
with the Bears. His family remained behind while he was in San Francisco during the season or or with the Giants in, in, in uh, 2016, 2017, something like that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, so tip of the cap to Robbie. Uh, it was he was he was a kind of a guy that kind of exemplified the once a bear, always a bear thing because he Chicago was always home. He always came back. He never left from from his time. He was here uh, and everything. So um, now he can stay for good. It's uh, it was it's almost an unfortunate thing that that it worked out so well with uh, Cairo Santos so that the discussion to uh, bring Robbie Gold back home to Chicago one last time was never really a thing. But, um, you know, it's uh, it worked out the way that it was supposed to. Uh, Robbie hangs it up, and, uh, yeah, so now he gets to spend more time with his kids and be home in Chicago uh, a lot more now. So kudos to Robbie. Thanks so much for all the years. And um, speaking of uh, alumni, distinguished alumni, another one uh, puts himself in the uh, column with everyone else to uh, say that we should keep fields uh, going forward. And that new alumni saying that the Bears should hang on to fields and, as he said, stay the course is Dan Hampton, the Danimal uh, himself. And, you know, saying things along the lines of, uh, you know, every time that I see him, play each and every week I'm seeing more and more evidence of you know this being the guy and that uh, this will lead to great things if we like he said stay the course it's like I feel like we if the Bears end up doing what a lot of people are speculating that they might do and that is to draft a quarterback with that top pick and trade Justin Fields somewhere that we will watch Justin Fields become the quarterback we wanted him to be in Chicago. And uh I feel like yeah, I I would yeah, that I just that is that is my greatest fear, you know, and 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 I fully believe that Fields is the guy. I really really do. There's just something about it. Maybe I'm just, you know, I don't know. Maybe I got my head on my own ass about this one, but I've I've always thought highly of of Fields. Uh, I've been a fan of his since he was in that QB1 uh, documentary on Netflix uh, several years ago. Uh, got to watch him a lot living in Big Ten country when he transferred to o- Ohio State and watching him do amazing things there. And then it just felt like destiny that he would fall into our laps for us to be able to take him uh, in 2021. It just didn't seem like something that was possible. And, you know, you guys have heard me document it many times. All the hurdles the Bears had to clear just for Fields to be there at 11. Like the odds of all those things happening the way they did, kind of astronomical. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's amazing that that it even happened. And we had to, you know, have a find a willing trade partner. It turns out that the, that, you know, Gettleman, our, the GM for the Giants at the time, didn't fleece us the way that he really could have, which was my other big concern going into that draft. If Pace was going to take a swing at a quarterback, I feel he was going to sell a future that he wasn't going to be a part of uh, in order to do it. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like kismet that he was supposed to be here. And I, I, you know, I feel like the work hasn't been done, and I feel like this year is evidence that 
coaching is the true issue right now. That you know we're not we're not because all you hear week in and week out is why aren't the Bears doing this with Fields? Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't because because look at what happens when they actually do do it. Fields is one of the best quarterbacks you can see out there. You know he's 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 accurate. He's efficient. He's dynamic. He's electric. He can run and you know he's got an amazing arm. He can make all the throws. Blah 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 blah. You know, so you get somebody in there that can coach him up proper and you know we're off to the races and then god forbid add another tool like a, a brock bowers or a marvin harrison jr and to pair him up with dj moore and cole Komet and you know whoever we have in the backfield uh next year you could be talking about something that you just you know the breaking the scoreboard scoring touchdowns each and every week so yeah, so Hampton joins guys like Erlacher, Briggs, uh, Singletary, among others. That you know, unfortunately, it's mostly defensive players. But who in the past has been an outstanding offensive player for the Bears that could chime in on something like this? It's gonna be the legends all play defense. So it's like outside of Walter Payton, may he rest in peace. You know, maybe Jim McMahon, but I don't think he's uh, you know voiced his opinion on what about Justin Fields. I don't think he honestly cares enough. Uh, to do that, but who else on offense would be able to chime in and say, uh, like, who would be also like offense and Bears legend are not exactly a sentence that you've really ever heard before, you know? Uh, of course, again, outside of Walter Payton, or maybe Ditka, but Ditka's kind of like out of public life at this point. So, yeah, so it's like, of course, all the guys chiming in are defensive players, but then again, all the legends from Chicago play defense so just add another uh another one another hall of famer uh saying that the bears should stick with the guy we got instead of starting the quarterback clock over with the you know with the contract nonsense and and, and all the rest of it so i just i want to stick with fields i really do so speaking of which um learned a lot about justin fields and his character uh this week somebody asked him um, what he thinks of the rumors or if he's paying attention to the rumors about the possibilities of his future in or out of uh, Chicago. And his first, the first thing he said was, you know, life isn't fair. So you just got to control what you can uh, control. You know, it's like, of, of course he's heard uh, the rumors, you know, he's, he's in Chicago. This is a fan base that lets you know. 100%. So whether it's like people are are DMing him or it's just read this comment or this blog or or, or anything like that, it's um not of it's none of it's not all of it's been good and you know but there's also it's like yeah, this is you guys are upset, you're unhappy and you want us to be playing better. I get it. And you know, it's like I can only control what I can control. I think his preference is to be right where he's at and to be the quarterback of the Chicago bears than to go somewhere and start over, uh, and, uh, you know, take his chances elsewhere. And, you know, then I'd like to keep him right where he's at with DJ Moore and, uh, and Cole Komet and the relationships he's building with those two guys. And we finally seem to be putting an offensive line together in front of him that he's not running for his life. Like he was for the, for definitely the first two seasons of his career. And then for the, the port, the early portion of this season, when the offensive line was banged up and not playing 
together. It's like we finally have a unit that's healthy and out there uh, together for the last couple of weeks, and it's really kind of shown. So I, I, yeah. So, but he's he knows it's out there. He knows there's nothing that he can do about what people are saying. He knows that he can only control how he plays on the field as the only way of changing the opinion of the up, uh, you know, of the front office people from moving on from him or sticking with him for another season or God forbid another contract. So yeah, we will uh, obviously keep our eyes on how that's supposed to go. Uh, Speaking of front office, apparently there are rumors out there that the bears are interested in or having discussions uh, as they say behind closed doors about Eric B being a candidate for head coaching position, possibly next season. Um, since obviously things are not going great with Matt Eberflus and uh, that they that you know even if it's Kevin Warren that has to come in and make the decision that it's likely the Bears are going to uh, move on uh, from him after this season, knock on wood. And uh, Bienemy, along with other guys like maybe Ben Johnson from uh, Detroit or the or Jim Harbaugh or any other uh, Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator from. The Seahawks, who's worked with Russell Wilson and Geno Smith uh, over the last several years. You know, interesting that uh, uh, Biennemi is, uh, you know, may finally get a shot and it might be in Chicago. So, yeah. And honestly, with the way things are going in Washington, Biennemi's going to need a job uh, after this season. And God forbid, God forbid we keep Eberflus. Yeah, call Biennemi and let him run the offense. Okay, I'm sure that uh, mixing things up and, and not showing the same look twice won't be a very much of an issue uh, with him. So I, I would love to see that. And uh, finally, uh, the Bears are um, exploring turning the south parking lot of Soldier Field into the, the, the site for the new stadium. It's an interesting idea especially if the Bears end up owning the stadium as opposed to the stadium still belonging to the park district, only we just get a new one. And, you know, I just think like like number one of the Bears getting a brand new stadium is that they would own the stadium as opposed to being at the mercy of the park district and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the same, uh, you know, I think um, – canvassing firm that assessed the land for Arlington uh, Heights is the same one looking at the south lot uh it's we're still probably a little bit of ways away from the bears finally making a decision on where that's going to be which of course pushes pushes the you know day one date for that new stadium back every day that we're that we wait to find out what the future is there but it's an interesting idea it keeps the bears in chicago which would solve a lot of problems for the idiots who say that they shouldn't be called the Chicago Bears if they go to Arlington Heights or Waukegan or uh, Aurora or anything like that. The only the only town on that list that I had a true problem with was Rockford because Rockford is like an hour and a half, almost two hours from Chicago. Now you're playing fast and loose with Chicago Bears uh, for that one. It's like I know that 
you know, as we've talked about several times, there are, you know, more than a handful of teams in the league that don't play in the town that they hail, that they claim to hail from. But uh, it's like, I think Santa Clara is still like only 40 minutes. I think the Bears would be the, the reigning kings of calling themselves Chicago while playing, you know, an hour and a half to two hours away from their hometown. Uh, kind of thing. Like I, I think that that would definitely put us at the top of that list as far as distance from where it is we claim to be from. But Waukegan is just up the road. Aurora is just uh, west uh, of the of the city. Arlington Heights is is obviously not very far as well. You know, th- all of those are well. Maybe Aurora is pushing it a little bit, but you know, Waukegan is just part up you know up the road uh, north of uh, of Chicago so a town I'm very familiar with I I uh spend a lot of time in Waukegan my aunt lives up there and um so it's a honestly it's it's a dump of a city I would not want the Bears to put their city their their stadium up there but as far as proximity to the city Waukegan Aurora Arlington Heights yeah but Rockford no way no so but, uh, yeah, it would keep the Bears in Chicago, eliminating that uh, as a problem. Would basically just They would be in the same place, and what is Soldier Field now would become the north lot instead of uh, you know the stadium and then the south lot uh, kind of thing. But it would still probably be impossible to get to the stadium or impossible to drive down Lakeshore Drive when the Bears are playing. So those problems would still exist unless they're going to restructure the infrastructure around the stadium to try to alleviate uh, that problem. So, And not to mention the logistical nightmare that it would be for the two years that it's going to take them to build the stadium while the Bears are still playing in Soldier Field. If they're turning the parking lot into a stadium, where the hell are 60,000 people supposed to park for these football games? So, yeah, I'm sure these are all discussions that are being had at this point, but... uh it's an interesting idea that after all of their uh, hemming and hawing, the Bears might stay in Chicago and get their new stadium on top of it. That would be pretty cool. So, anyway, that's going to do it for news and notes. Let's go ahead and bring in our great friend Jeremy Reisman, one of my favorite guests uh, from the Pride of Detroit, to talk about Bears Lions rematch week number fourteen. With our beloved coming off the bye, we are at home. Because after, I think we spent like four of the last five weeks on the road uh, before the bye. We're finally at home once again before we go on the road against Cleveland next week. So what the hell? But anyway, we're home for the Lions, the rematch of the Week 11 uh, matchup, which we will talk about at length with our guest back from the SB Nation's pride of Detroit. It's Jeremy Reisman. Jeremy, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me back, Andy. I, I got to be here. Like this is this is part of the uh, the, the Lions Bears virtual now. I yes, spend an hour talking with you, man. This is what we do. Absolutely, one hundred percent since uh, twenty fifteen. Can you believe it? Oh my god! You no, are, I can't. That, you're the wow. only Lions guest I've ever had, and you've been on my show since I started doing interviews for the first time in twenty fifteen. Wow! Yeah, 
That's so. crazy. That's that's when I took over the the website too. So that's that that was a, a beginning of, of both of new eras for both of us. There you go. Yeah. So so let's start real quick. Um, tell me how that game went for you, because <laughs> it was at it was in Detroit, so you were there. Yeah. You know, you were working you were working the game and, and, and everything and. You're sitting there, you're watching it. Uh, three, four days prior, you and I had spoken. I was telling you how terrified I was uh, of this game. Like, this was the last game on the schedule that I wanted Justin Fields coming back for. I wanted him to cut his teeth and make his rusty mistakes against Carolina uh, the week before. But, nope, we're going to hold him out, and he's going to play against the Lions. It's like, that's probably the worst thing I've heard, especially for somebody that I want to continue to be my quarterback in 2024 and beyond for him to come back after a month off against the Lions team that had been playing just as well as anybody in the league at that point. You know, I was not thrilled with the prospect. And then the game starts, and it was like, well, apparently (laughs) Justin Fields is picking up where he left off from Washington. Never mind that bad half he had against the uh, Vikings. He's picking up where he left off from week five in Washington, just slinging it all over. We're mixing in the runs. We're scoring points. The defense, one turnover after another out of Jared Goff. Yeah. Then we get to the last four minutes of the game, and we literally piss it all away. And you guys are the Superman. You're the heroes. You came back, and you did it. And I'm looking for the razor blades at the end of this thing. Like I just, oh, man. Like, I cannot, be- <laughs> I cannot believe that that happened. I can't. I can. And I absolutely can't. Like it just. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me what it was like for you, especially since you were there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the the Lions were coming into that game having given up five straight touchdown drives to the to the Chargers in the previous week. They right. they ended the game with five straight touchdown drives given up by the defense, and then the Bears come down in the first drive of the game, almost in in like in the blink of an eye, Justin Fields drives him down for a touchdown. Right. And it's just like, oh, my God. The, the defense, again, is, is going to let this team down. But and... let me tell you real quick. Sorry to interrupt. But yeah. let me tell you no. why I wasn't worried. Because as I probably told you this uh, before, and as we've seen the Bears do several times in yeah. the Getsy Eberflus era, driving right down and scoring a touchdown is kind of their thing. Right. You know, they like to score pretty much right off the bat. And then the other thing they like to do, which is why I wasn't like, oh, super optimistic, was then they disappear for the rest right. of the game, only for, in this particular instance, that didn't happen. So I was like, I was just, just surprised as everyone when the Bears just kept rattling the ball down the field and scoring points and we got a lead at halftime or it was close or whatever it was. But, I mean, it was just, like, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, this is, all right, where the hell have these guys been? You know, it's yeah. like, I, didn't, I know Justin Fields would make a difference. I didn't know it would be this much. Yeah, no, and then I think there was – a fair amount of anxiety on the Lions fan. And, and honestly, I, I tweeted out something similar to what you, you just told me after the first time. I'm like, all right, the Bears do this, the, 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 the game script, they, they get that down, and then once they kind of have to go off game script and, and, and play the game as it's being played, they, they, they get off kilter. And, and what do you know? Like the Lions score 14 in the second quarter, and, and they take a 14-10 to 10 lead in the half. Right. Um, I, don't, I don't think any Lions fans felt great at that point. I was, I was a little bit... I think I st- still felt okay about that game, and I was just like, all right, you know, Jared Goff takes care of the football here, and, 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 and we're fine. Um, and and I, I, 
I still actually kind of feel that way. If, if, if that hadn't happened, the Lions may have ran away with the game a little bit because they were running the ball pretty well outside of bottling in Justin Fields. They were defending the run great. I mean, I'm looking at the, the box score right now. Khalil Herbert had 16 carries for 35 yards. Right. Um, um, and so I, I just I kind of felt as the game was going, I'm like, all right, well, once the Lions clean up their, their dumb mistakes here, they're going to be fine. Um, the, it, it, it almost never happened. <laughs> I mean, you got to the game. Um, in the third quarter, the turnovers kept happening. You, you get that long run by Justin Fields. And, and then at that point, I think most people think the game's over. Yeah. Um, I, 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 will, I will say uh, there were some questionable coaching decisions on the Bears' side at that point in the game where they're just like, all right, we're going to bottle it in. We're just going to Jeremy, run the ball. Jeremy. And, and, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't we're need all, to, we're to all, rehash this. We're all friends here, bro. You don't have to be diplomatic, okay? You don't have those some questionable. No, they were stupid. They were yeah. stupid. They were playing not to lose. And I don't yeah. know why defensive coaches love to do that. Because you don't see offensive coaches doing that. I mean, you well, know. I, I, I would argue it happened in that game. Well, maybe. Maybe. But it's just. Yeah. I just, you know, man. It, it, but if, to see it over and over, we saw it. Lovey yeah. did it a lot in, yeah. in his days. And a lot of times it ended up costing him or made things a lot closer than they needed to be because lovey won more than he lost but it's just you know it would always get you would always get real nervous at the end of games when all of lovey wanted to do was three yards in a cloud of dust oh we got the lead go ahead and kick we because we have the best defense well that's only going to work so many times you're running your defense ragged putting them back out there over and over again and it just you know like it just you don't have to be nice about it because they were it was they were bad calls they were bad and we got way too conservative when we could have, you know, yeah. we could have done some things to hurt you guys and make it impossible for you to come back instead of practically rolling over and letting you do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I honestly can't believe what happened after that. It was literally after that long scramble. They, I think the Bears had six more offensive plays and, for, you know, five of them were just runs up the middle, essentially. And then you have the deep shot that the Justin Fields just barely misses. And that's it. Like, that's yeah. the game. Um, it. It, it, you know, there, there was a certain amount of feeling amongst Lions fans that that was an escaping of a game that they probably should have lost. And and I will sell it, I will tell you, I don't know if, if you've gotten a sense of, of where Lions fans are today, but that game in particular, I think, has sent Lions fans down an anxiety hole where they think the defense is absolutely trash. They think there's no chance this team wins a playoff game with the way they're playing right now mm. because obviously they, they come out of that game and they let Justin uh, uh, Jordan Love throw all over them and, and on Thanksgiving in front of a national audience. And then you go to, to the next week against New Orleans and, and the Lions get up to that big lead and then they let Derek Carr carve them up in the second half and almost come back and win that game. And if he doesn't get knocked out with an injury, maybe the, the Saints do win that game. And so um, this was kind of the beginning of a I – don't, I don't know if the Lions are getting exposed. I don't know if fans are overreacting a little bit, but um, – I look back on this game as kind of a, a bit of a turning point that the Lions haven't quite pulled themselves out of yet. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, I've and and you know, my bone to pick is uh, one you just kind of mentioned was that uh, you know, so the Bears get out to this big lead, and mm-hmm. you um, you know whether it by by your great effort and our conservatism uh, at the end, playing not to lose, you guys come back and do it. Four days later on Thanksgiving, the exact same thing happens, only this time you let the Packers win. And <laughs> I got a huge problem with that because that kicked them off 
on this winning streak that they're on where they're knocking on the playoff door right yeah. now. And, Jeremy, we talked about this, bro. This cannot happen. It I cannot know. happen. We're past that now. You know, we're past that. We're, 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 we're working on elevating us to catch up with you. So we're the ones at the top of the division looking down and laughing at Minnesota and Green Bay. And, bro, this, 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 you know, that was kind of like the beginning of it for them to go on the road. And now Jordan Love is the second coming again and, and yeah. all the rest of that stuff. It's, it's, it's like I, this is nightmare fuel for me. I'm, listen, I'm just as unhappy about it as you. And, in fact, I was just thinking about this the other day. If the Lions had won that game, I think that may have mathematically eliminated the Packers from winning the division at that point. And now, you know, they're still in a tough position. They're three games back with five games remaining. But to have literally eliminated them from NFC North contention on Thanksgiving, well, I guess it would have been technically this past week after the Lions won. But either way, like to eliminate them this early before any chance of a a, a comeback. And, and yeah, I'm with you. Like I, do I think the Lions are going to lose the division to the Packers now? No, No. but do I think the Packers are going to make the playoffs? Probably Probably. the NFC kind of sucks right now. And it, yeah. And I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in in a place where Packers fans are are, are both gushing over uh, Jordan love and also like, Hey, we're we're a young team now. This is just the beginning. We're going to, we can't, can't let this this happen again yeah we can't let it happen again oh man no see and that see that's what i was like look man i gotta talk to you about something okay we need to have a conversation (laughs) because this this can't happen this can't happen you know when when you guys got them in week 18 so it's it's your it it might be down to you guys to knock them out of the playoffs oh trust me i'm I'm gonna nuke lambo if we lose that game like i'm making the arrangements right now we did it last year. We knocked yeah. them out of the playoffs last year. Now it's your turn. Like this is how we this is how, you know, we exercise the demons. The Lions did that last year and now look where they are. Nine and three. They're probably gonna win the division. So, you know, the Bears are a young team. If you start playing better down the stretch, which you guys kind of had the last couple weeks, you beat the Packers. Week eighteen, knock them out of the playoffs. Who knows where you guys are gonna be in twenty twenty four? Hey man. Your lips to God's ears, bro. For real. <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me, you know. I love it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because I'm sitting here on Thanksgiving Day, and um, you know I'm running this Pick'em League with my with some of my listeners this year, and we're doing confidence uh, mm-hmm. points. And I think, pretty sure, because Week Twelve was a game where every was a week where everybody played. There were no buys during Week Twelve, and I went all in on the, on the on all the Thanksgiving games. Oh, so and and of course I went all in with the Lions over the Packers. So sixteen on the Lions, 15 on the Cowboys, 14 on the 49ers. And at the end of the day, I had picked two winners and one very huge loser with the – it's like this was the out, – out of all three, this was the game I was most sure about because I didn't know, you know, Sam Howell might go out there and Dallas and start slinging it around and it just turns on into one of those shootouts. Like I thought the Cowboys would win, you know. I was pretty yeah. sure of that. But as far as like I bet my life on a game – Thank God, because I'd be dead right now. Because yeah. out of those three games, it's like, yeah, the, the Lions are going to smash the Packers. I mean, they, number one, they already did it once. And right. they did that in Lambeau on a short week. Same thing. So this time they're at home on Thanksgiving with this team. Come on. They're going to they're gonna drill them right into the ground. And, and I sat there for three very confused and angry hours. They're like, no, this is – No. Yeah. Absolutely not. And then what the hell was that halftime thing? What was that? 
Well, you know, was, was was that an igloo that he came out of or an ice skating room? What was that? Yeah. I mean, so what did it look like, like to you up production. in the what did it look like to you up in the press box? It looked like a high school production. But but here's the thing, like last year they had BB Rexy and she was her entire performance was like in the concourse. It wasn't on the field. I remember so, that. Yeah. Yeah, people people on the like in the seats were just like, What is happening right now? This isn't how halftime shows work. And so, uh, you know, baby steps. They got they they got the act on the field this year. Maybe next time they can decide to like actually design a set. Yeah, imagine that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was bad. That was really yeah. really bad. Like, we'll just roll this carpet out onto the field, right? And this guy that uh, it, I, mean, it I don't literally know how... looked like a a tarp that you get from from Home Depot, right? They, right. they just pulled that onto the field. Spray painted yeah. it white, and it's like, oh, it's winter. Okay, it's like, I don't even know. It's like I didn't really watch it, thank God. But yeah. it's like the I, I we we saw the start of it, and then we you know changed it to something else while we're waiting for the game to come back on. But then I saw started seeing screenshots and the comments online right. and everything, and I was like, wow, that that must have been really bad. And then especially since they like the next game, the 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 Dallas Washington game was this booming spectacular with Dolly Parton in a cowboy, uh, you know, cowboy cheerleader outfit, which she amazingly pulled off at 77 and everything. And I was like, this versus that, this is, you should be ashamed, (laughs) you know, Ford field, Detroit, I mean, whoever put this thing together. I mean, how embarrassing, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. I talked to her on the game at that point. So, uh, that I was already in in a foul mood because yeah that I mean that was that was a slaughter from the beginning and um you know they 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 kind of fought back in it but it never it never even felt close to me like the the Bears game a little bit and the the, the surprising part about it was the Lions got out physical on both sides of the ball which was exactly the opposite of what happened right. in the first game like they got all after Jordan Love in that first game forced him into a couple mistakes. You know, I think they had the most pressures in that game that they, than they've had all year. Nothing uh, against Green Bay in, on Thanksgiving. And then, more surprisingly, on the other side of the ball, Lions offensive line was horrible in that game, which almost never happened. Yeah, I mean, it just, um, it was really, that was really the kind of thing where it was just like, I, I just kept waiting for them to kind of turn the corner yeah. and for it to, for it kind of to flip, not just because you did it to us, but because, you know, I, you know, call me crazy, man, but I believe in, in your team this yeah. year. So I just kept waiting for it to happen. <laughs> and, the you know, no matter what, it's like the golf was running for his life. And God bless him for all the tools that he does have. Scrambling and moving around in the pocket are not really those. No. He is no. not good at those things. He, he needs a clean pocket. The guy can read a defense. He can thread the needle. But if he's under pressure, shit's going to go sideways quick. And yeah. that's all it was all day long against the Packers. Yeah, it, it's kind of inexplainable, um, to be honest. And, and, you know, some credit goes to Green Bay and, and the way they were talking after that game. It, it felt like a game that was very much circled on their schedule after they just got embarrassed on Thursday Night Football and, and, and probably even going back to, to what I was just referencing, the Week 18 game where they knocked them out of the playoffs. Sure. I think I think maybe they came into that Week 4 game on Thursday night thinking this is where we get retribution, and then immediately they're down 28-3 to in that game. Like, right, I guess it's not our night. Let's let's get them next time at Ford Field on a national stage, and 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 maybe that was the the revenge they've been seeking. Maybe it was a little bit they wanted it a little bit more if you if you believe in in those motivational tactics. But sure. um, they also have a pretty 
decent defensive line that that's kind of getting their act together a little bit. So um, it was it, it felt like just maybe a a perfect storm where the offense turned the ball over way too much. The defense is is continuing to just give you anxiety about any time any quarterback drops back to pass right now. It doesn't matter who it is, apparently. Um, so yeah, that was that was a rough game. Um, and, and like I said, that it just the anxiety starting at the Bears game continuing through the Packers game, and I would say even this, this past game against the, the Saints have all made, made Lions fans a little bit uneasy that maybe they're not the, the team that, that we thought they were. Well, let me ask you, because if there's one thing I can give you credit for is that you had an inkling, not so much that the team was going to go on this kind of bender that they've been on the last sure. few weeks, but you were, while I'm sitting here joking about how much of a bloodbath I expect this game to be, you were the one to be like, I don't know, man, I think this game's going to be closer than you think. And yeah. it's like, so what was it that, that you saw or that you were seeing or whatever that made you think that a three and eight team or a three and seven team could come in there and give you guys the game that they, that they did. Cause essentially you ended up being right. This game was way closer yeah. than I thought it had any right to be going into it. And what was it that you saw that, that, I mean, aside from it being one of those division games or, whatever, what was it that was like, yeah, the Bears might actually have a shot here? Well, it, it, it's two things. It's, it's the matchup, which I think is always important than, than just, like, looking at overall record. Um, you know, the Lions love to run the ball and stop the run, and that's exactly what the Bears are good at, right? It's, it's it, Some would argue it's the only thing that the Bears are currently good at. Right. And so if you take away the Lions' identity, if you're able to do that, you're going to make that team's life kind of a, a living hell. And um, – Ironically enough, that's not how the game played out. Like the Lions were able to run the ball and they were able to stop the Bears running attack. Um, and that leads to the second thing that worries me, and that is Justin Fields, period. Right. Um, <laughs> I know I know Bears fans are up in the air about his future in Chicago, but he has absolutely killed the Lions in every single game they've played. And I know they've lost them all, but he's put up 100 yards, I think, in three straight games against the Bears, against the Lions yeah. on the ground. 100 yards, 100 yards, 100 yards. Like, the Lions just can't stop that mobile quarterback. And, um, you know, he's coming back. You know, it was his first game back. And he was actually playing some pretty good ball before he had he'd gotten injured. And, and the Bears were finally leaning into getting him out of the pocket a little bit and running and, you know, designed runs and things like that. And so um, those are the things that the Lions just have not been good at. I mean, they say that they're, they're focused every week on Justin Fields and, and we're just going to keep him in the pocket and all that sort of stuff. And then they can't do it. Um, they, that their head's in the right place, but either they don't have the bodies to do it or they, they can't figure out the right game plan. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going into this week with the, with that same anxiety because I don't, I've don't i never seen this team stop a mobile quarterback. It's not just Justin Fields. It's, it's basically every single one they run into. And so um, I think that's going to give the Bears a shot just about every time they face off. And there's really only one counter example, and that was last year in Ford Field because the, year, the, the matchup in Soldier Field last year, was just as ridiculous of a comeback for Detroit. It, it, it took a late late game pick six for the Lions to win that one. So mm-hmm. um, I just got, I'm going into these games. If Justin Fields is the quarterback for the Bears, I am expecting a, a battle to the last second between these two teams. All right. Well, that's uh, – I mean, I'm, I'm far more um, – I, 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 I shudder to use the word confident, but uh, I'm not <laughs> as afraid of this game as I was, uh, yeah. you know, three weeks ago. Uh, when we met, uh, you know, in week 11 uh, and everything, because um, I, I I just watched my team last Monday do something 
that they haven't done yet during the Eberflus era. Two things, in fact, and yet they're being mocked for it. Mm-hmm. And because they didn't score a touchdown in that game, but the thing that that they're being mocked uh, that that they're being mocked for winning a game without scoring a touchdown, which they're statistically the first team to do it this year, and mm-hmm. yet somehow they're still being made fun of for it. Number two, two things happened in that game that has never happened in the Eberflus era, and it's actually been a lot longer than that since it's happened. But since we've had Justin Fields, there's never been an instance where if we needed the defense to get the ball back for us, that they actually did it. <laughs> and they did. Yep. Because that second field's fumble was in on Chicago's side of the field yeah. where, with about three and a half minutes to go, maybe four at the, at the most. And the defense forced a punt. They forced them to punt. Yeah. And then the other thing was Justin Fields, with the game on the line, drove downfield got the game-winning score, and won the game. Both of those things had never happened before in the Justin Fields slash Eberflus era, and yet because it was kind of a snooze fest, a defensive uh, battle with a bunch of turnovers and everything, it's more of a joke than it is a pat on the back for the Bears finally doing something, showing some kind of growth as far as you know, being able to pull off something they hadn't uh, before. So it's just like, oh, they, they finally shown that they can close or that they can you know, actually pull it off, even if they did it against the Vikings. Doing it is the first step, not doing it sure. against somebody, you know, of significance is the next one. So it's, uh, you know, it's I'm 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 not as afraid uh, this one. Like I'm still going to pick the Lions uh, to win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer to what we saw than yeah. than you know what I was anticipating going into that game uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it it's. It's clear that you know the Bears are going to be aided by by forcing turnovers, right? It's it's a big reason when I why you guys beat Minnesota. It's a big reason why you jumped up to a lead against against the Lions. Um, but you also have some bodies there that are capable of forcing turnovers. It's not it's not just a luck thing. It's not like these balls are are falling into your hands. You, you've got a good linebacking core that that picked off Jared Goff a couple times. You, your, your pass rush suddenly has a little bit of juice to it with with Montez Sweat and I think maybe yeah. some other players on that defensive line. Um, you know, getting better. Um, maybe just because what is around him, I don't know. Um, and, and so when you have that combination and, and, you know, the defensive backs are, are hit and miss. Um, Gil Johnson is obviously very talented and he should have had a pick six against the Lions. Oh, Thankfully he didn't. Didn't start it, man. This is for me, this is Allen Robinson all over again. Oh. Because Allen Robinson was that guy that was pounding the table. He wanted his 20 mil a season, but yeah. he was not coming down with 50, 50 balls. He was mm-hmm. not making the catches that $20 million season wide receivers make. And Jalen Johnson feels like he's the best corner in the league, but two weeks in a row, because he did it again on Monday night against Minnesota, two weeks in a row he drops a sure pick six, for sure. And the one that he would have scored against you guys might have been an early dagger in that one. Because it it ended up being, what, uh, like 10-7 or tying the football. Instead of being 14 to nothing, now we're tied at seven and it's a football game. Yeah. You know, if he takes that, he probably takes the wind out of the stadium and God only knows what happens after it. But we'll never know because he didn't make the play. And this <laughs> is a guy that is probably not going to be in Chicago because Chicago is realistic about what it is they want to pay him. And yeah. he's going to be thinking, well, I'm the best corner in the league. You're going to be paying me, you know, Jalen Ramsey money. It's like, no, bro, you don't make the plays Jalen Ramsey does. It's just not, you know, you're not, you don't make that pick at the end to win it, and you're certainly dropping these 
free points that the offense is offering you. It's just like you're not you're not a twenty million dollar guy. Like for sure, it's maybe seventeen, eighteen, but you're not twenty twenty because it's going to be like twenty two million or something. You're going to be yeah. the highest paid corner, and he's not that guy. He's just not. He doesn't make the plays to earn that money. Like I feel like if somebody gives him that money, then all of a sudden to be like two years from now, after his guaranteed portion is paid up, he gets cut by he's somebody because yeah, because he's not living up to the money because he's mm-hmm. not living up to it. So yeah. So I, I hope he stays. I hope he gets his head about him. And I, I want the Bears to keep him because he definitely is a solid top-level corner. But he's not one of those elite guys that makes every play that needs to be made. It's, he's, he's not that guy. He, or he, at least he hasn't proven to be right. uh, at this point. So back-to-back weeks, pick six, you know, he, he dropped them both. Yeah. You know, and the one that really stung was the one in Minnesota because they showed the end zone view, and there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing. No Nothing in front of him yeah. if he catches that ball. Nothing. Yeah. Like, he could have moonwalked his way into the end zone from the 40 <laughs> if he wanted to. Like, that was the easiest touchdown he'd ever scored in his life. So, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, we can't, we can't have that. We can't right. have that. So, not if he wants to get paid like he feels like he deserves it. You know, it's like, okay, let's roll out the tape. It's like, let's see. Oh, look at that. And they – on the very next play, they tied the game. How about that, Jalen? Uh, if you, <laughs> you catch that one, we're up two scores, and, you know, we may have just stolen the – Suck the air out of the stadium, but nope, you you dropped it, and uh, they score on the very next play. So, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't give you twenty million good conscience. It can't happen. So, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I just um, do you do you have a sense, or do you remember what you were feeling when the Bears were laying up for those field goals instead of trying to go after you guys, or or because my immediate thought was like, if this is Dan Campbell, we're going for this. Oh yeah. We're absolutely, especially the the fourth and one where we kicked the first field goal at the start of the fourth quarter. It's like, no way we're not going for this. No way we're not going for this. And then they lay up and kick the field goal. It's like, all right. I'm almost certain I tweeted out at that point, like, I will take that gift right now or something like that. And then, of course, like after the game, I I quote tweeted myself and said, thank you, Eberflus. So, yeah, I mean, did I think that, at the time, like, that was going to lead to a Lions win? No, but did I think at that time it was a dumb move not to – I mean, you had the Lions on the ropes there. Everything yeah. seemed to be working offensively, um, except for maybe the, the, the standard run game. But pass the ball. I mean, Justin Fields only threw for, like, 180, 190 yards in that game, but he was efficient as hell. Like, yeah. everything was working. And so, yeah, no, I thought I thought it was dumb. I, and then they did it again when – Again, right after that, that just that long Justin Field runs, he does the dance, and then they just run the ball right up the middle three times and, and take a field goal. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. You have this game in your hands, That's... and you're just like, I'm taking knees with seven minutes left. Yeah, it's it was um, that first one. I was I was kind of okay with it, um, mm-hmm. just because I was upset that we didn't convert on third and one. Right. Because the least favorite thing that Justin Fields does, in my opinion, is when they do the the tush push or the brotherly shut, whatever you want to call it, right. he gets T Rex arms with the ball. Mm. Like he's holding it in so tight that it's almost hindering how far he can go with the ball. Yeah. Right. You know, like if he at the, like I would give anything. I would give anything for him to just reach his very long arms over the pile. Because once forward progress is made, that's it. The game, the play is over. Or, or once he shows that he's going backwards again. Right. So you just extend your over, boop, boop, bring it back in, you know, and then that's it. But no, he gets almost to the point where he's like carrying it down around his waist. 
So it's like the ball is as far from the line of scrimmage as it can be because that's where you're holding it. Like if it was up around your your head or your chest, maybe you're giving yourself like another two or three feet uh, there. But it's just that, you know, after they blew that, take the points. Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we can't get third and one kick the field goal, you know. But then when we went back right back down again and did it, and even though it was fourth and five, I was like, if we go for it and we convert, number one, we're still up two scores. Right. We're still up two scores. Yep. But if we if we get the first down, even if we do three more runs and, you know, settle for a field goal then, you've probably used up all your timeouts. You know, we've taken another minute or two off the clock at best. But, you know, it's it's going to be that much more impossible for you to come back on us. If if we convert and, you know, now you have to start using your timeouts to conserve the clock so you can try to give yourself a shot to come back, but none of that matters. And it does it what really gets me is that I know that Ryan Poles is huge on analytics. Mm-hmm. And there had to be some kind of analytic that said, go for it on fourth and five. Because mm-hmm. you know the probability of you getting it are not bad. And also the probability of what can happen after are even better. So right. go for it. And yeah. you know to, every time it's it's like watching John Fox all over again. He was the he was the king of playing not to lose, okay? And he lost like 80% of his games in Chicago. So that shows you what, <laughs> what, what, what a killer strategy that is. But, yeah, that one, that one stuck in my craw big time, yeah. uh, especially and, that and second field goal. Yeah. I mean, to me, and, and to me, it's, it's not even just the not going for it on fourth down. It, it's, it's the play calls on first and second and third down. Like, you didn't have to get into a third and five with the way the line's defense was playing. The only thing they were able to do is stop those runs up the middle and that's how the Bears decided to play. It. It's like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna change that. That's the and, one thing we're gonna be able to do. And it's like, no, just run a play action. Yeah. And 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 you you wouldn't make roll game. out with your quarterback who has over a hundred yards rushing in this right. game. Right. You know, Herbert was the second best rusher with sixteen carries for thirty five yards in yeah. that game. But, or maybe, maybe just maybe give the ball to Roshan Johnson, who's averaging five yards a carry today. You know, maybe I don't know, but it's just because the only thing that sucked worse than than the pulling up on fourth and five to take that field goal was like you mentioned those two runs right up the middle, yep. deep in our own territory before we take a fifty yard shot down the field, and right. it was basically more like Tyler Scott just misjudged the ball because yeah. if you go back and you look, you see him kind of s- slow up for that half step, mm. and then he's like, oh, he tries to catch up again, and by the time he gets out there, the ball's out past too far, but the throw was there. The yeah. throw was absolutely there. Scott just missed it. And, um, you know, it, it just – not only did we run the ball up the middle, Jeremy, but we telegraphed it as about as, yeah. as much as we could have with three tight ends on the field. Okay? Three tight ends <laughs> is not a passing formation. I don't give a damn when anybody – or at least not when you're deep inside your own territory. Right. That's not a passing formation. That's a passing formation at the five yard line, all the other end. Not when you we've got your back against the end zone. That's not a, a passing for you. Are absolutely running the ball, and you're not fooling anybody. Yeah. So and yeah, two plays. They got one yard, and then they go deep on the third one. And you know, depends on who you talk to. Also, I love the fact that Getzey and Eberflus. I've never seen two coaches more willing to throw their players under the bus in my life. It is outstanding watching them 
do that because instead of saying like, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's, um, that's on me. I should emphasize this more, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yep, Justin should have thrown it to DJ. It was coming across the middle. DJ Moore might have had to break a tackle or whatever, but the probability was a lot higher. We would have been able to succeed better and whatnot. It's just like, Justin, I was like, are you sure? Like, I'm checking the injury report, looking for the short rib, the sore ribs from being thrown under the bus, you know, yeah. by Getsy and Eberflus. It's for all his flaws, Matt Nagy was always the first one to say, here's the mistake that was made. That's on me. I got to fix that. That's the easiest part of the job. Yeah, that's the, I got to fix that. We'll work on that in practice. That mistake won't happen uh, again. You know, he's admitting that it's a mistake and that the player made the mistake, but I've got to make sure that I put him in a position not to make that mistake. That's on me. Nagy was glorious at that. Eberflus, Getze, yeah, Justin, uh, this is a learning experience for Justin. He won't be doing that again anytime soon. It's like, bro, really? Like, if you want to say that to him, that's behind closed doors while you're watching yeah. the film kind of thing. Not in front of the press corps, right. you know? Like, it's unbelievable some of the things I've heard these guys say. Like, and everyone to talk about, yeah, if they win these last five games, Eberflus should keep his job. It's like, I don't want him back, period. I really don't. Yeah. So... I am I'm I am curious where that whole thing heads. Like if you know the Bears are playing better football now, maybe they, they tack a an, another two three wins down the stretch here. And if that happens, I, I don't know what they do with Justin Fields. I don't know what they do with Eberflus. I don't know what they do with, with Poles. Like all of it, um, yeah. to me, is kind of fascinating. The only one that I'm certain is coming back is Poles. Yeah, that's the only one because we're watching his draft picks and his acquisitions. You know, I mean, granted, he's got that black eye that is Chase Claypool. But sure. Montez Sweat is looking like a, a great move yeah. uh, at this point. Like I, like you mentioned, like I don't know if it's because the of him that the rest of the defensive line is playing. It's like, I don't know, man. But uh, that guy's definitely added some juice to what was a non-existent pass yeah. rush. And in our last couple games against Detroit and Minnesota, we have been affecting the pocket, getting after the quarterback. I mean, Josh Dobbs had made a name for himself running and scrambling yeah. and, you know, and doing things to other teams. He was – all he was doing was throwing interceptions and making mistakes against the Bears on Monday night. It's like, you know, because we were constantly after him. So Yeah, and that's those are two of the best offensive lines in football right now, too. Yeah. Like the Vikings offensive line is no slouch, especially when it comes to pass protection. So the fact that, that Bears defenders were able to disrupt both the Lions and the Vikings offensive line is, is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, so, I mean, especially from what it was earlier this year to what it is now is yeah. just – like next level progression, uh, just like and and you know my upstairs with my family having dinner a couple of days ago, and um, we're talking about the Bears and and everything, and I was like, in my opinion, you know, because my my stepmom was like, well, maybe you know Eberflus might end up keeping his job right now. I was like, in my opinion, Matt Eberflus is making a solid case to be somebody's defensive coordinator next year with what we've seen from this defense and how they've grown this season but as a head coach he's in over his head yeah. you know I honestly believe he's in over his head so we'll we'll see how the rest of it unfolds and he's got the support of Ryan Poles I know that so I have a thing if the decision comes to fire it's going to come from Kevin Warren who's the new boss right. uh, in Chicago so we'll we'll wait and see and then we'll we'll see if we can bring your boy in uh to be our head coach absolutely not <laughs> you you leave Ben Johnson alone no, not your boy. Your boy, oh. Harbaugh. Oh, you know what? That's fine. 
That's I'm, fine. So, so I'm I'm kind of done with the circus. Are you over with? Are you over it by now? A little bit. Like I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not as a hardcore Michigan fan as I was when I was going there. So okay, you know I'm I'm not I'm not like super hyped up that they're they're in the playoffs for for the second or third straight year or whatever it is. Um, I mean it's fun to to be relevant again, but I've, I've never really felt like Michigan has had a championship game in these past few years. I don't feel their championship level team, and then. It's just year after year. There's something with Harbaugh. It's it's, it's yeah. Uh, so he almost gets the Vikings head coaching job. It's it's the whatever. I mean, he's, he's been suspended twice this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, How two three game happen? suspensions this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I don't know if that's ever happened. I'm sure it has, but I, I it seems pretty freaking unique. And it's not that he's embarrassing my program or anything. It's just like this is this is a clown show. Yeah, it's been how many seasons now? Six, seven. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, they're, they're playing good football, and, and that's fine. But the, the Big Ten's also just boring and bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. when when I was your conference championship opponent, and they can't score a single point, it's so bad. So, I mean, that's that's just a bad conference, and so I don't know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's being infused by Pac-10 teams or Pac-12 teams. Uh, next year with USC and UCLA right, and right. and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, what are we doing? College football, uh, what are we doing? But, yeah, no, you take Harbaugh, that's fine. Yeah, the Big Ten's going to have, like, 19 teams in it next year and, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I, I know we, 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 we went past the whole Big Ten having 10 teams in it 30 years ago when Penn State right. joined up and it became the Big 11 all right. of a sudden. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's getting a little, getting a little nuts uh, with all that, so. <laughs> College football's a trip, man. They're they're going through some stuff right now. Boy, man, it is. And I tell you what, just a, another little tangent to go on here, real quick. I messed up by not getting into college coaching because <laughs> no other profession on the planet can I go into this place, have a lucrative contract, and then they give me almost all of it because I didn't do my job. Right, right. Jimbo Fisher just walked away with like a $78 million buyout from A&M. That is bananas. You know, and last year when there were like five or six coaches that got let go, including the guy from Wisconsin uh, and all that kind of stuff, all of them walked out with eight figures. Eight figures because they didn't do their job. (laughs) You have to pay. Who was the, the agent that came up with this deal? needs to be like immortalized whoever right. it was he, that he somehow yeah somehow talked some stupid institution and they be like oh yeah and if it doesn't work out you got to pay him like 60 percent of his remaining salary to go away like wait what <laughs> no he didn't do the job he's fired get him out of here no 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 we got to do you know or you want him this is our condition and that's become the standard across the board now you make it to high col- high stakes college football you're getting paid no matter what happens no matter what happens, you're you're making millions upon millions, uh, and everything. It's it's an unbelievable racket they got going on at the at the high college level uh, football. It's, it's crazy, absolutely yeah. crazy. So, one last thing I want to talk about before we go, the uh, Barry Sanders documentary mm-hmm. uh, that came out like like what the week after we played each other, something like that. I think literally the week of because you had seen it, I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, I literally watched it out like watched it like the the day it came out on the twenty first. Yeah, this would been like a couple days after the game then. That maybe that makes and, sense. And yeah. Um, yeah, got some thoughts 
uh, about this. And first of all, I want to tell you my wild theory because the the trailer that I saw for the documentary was like I've never told anybody why I quit when I did, and right. you know, basically, this is the documentary that was going to tell us why. I don't know why, but I swear to God, I thought he was going to tell us he was gay. <laughs> I don't know why, and I and maybe it's because he's so private. Yeah. Uh, and everything that it was just, you know, something that he just needed to do. And, and, you know, not so much that he was fighting the first, you know, like, like he was in a relationship. He didn't want to have to hide it anymore. So, you know, right. you know, that kind of thing. I don't know why. I have no idea why I thought that that might be the big secret. And then the funny thing is, spoiler alert, it turns out that he left because <laughs> free agency killed the team. And that right. instead of paying the players to keep the, 91 team together basically Detroit just started letting everybody go and it was back to him being all that there was right and he didn't want to have to do that in his 10th 11th 12th seasons uh of his uh career so it went from this wild theory I have to being one probably one of the most logical retirements right. I've ever heard of yeah you know? I I'll say like I like acting like that that documentary was going to be like some huge revelation yeah. like like they advertised it as not, they did I'm, like they really um, did it, it wasn't it was it was like oh yeah the team sucked it was poorly run and i just i was tired of i didn't want to play anymore like oh okay yeah so pretty much what everyone thought right <laughs> <laughs> like and and that that's not to say it's a bad documentary not it at was, all it, it was not obviously all. really fun for me to to relive a bunch of those memories and and catch up with, with some people that, that I hadn't seen or thought about in a, in a really long time. And, and here's some, you know, news stories here and there along the way. And, you know, the, the, the silliness with the, um, you know, born moon and, and, and Joe Montana. Oh, bro, apparently wanting okay. To play with, this is this I wanted, and... I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay? Uh, this is what, like one of those moments, because this is like, as the moment I watched that, that's when I texted you. I'm like, yeah. dude, have you watched the documentary? Yeah, right. you're like, no, I'm watching it later on, like on stream, you know, later yeah, tonight. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, because there is a scene where old and frail Wayne Fonts is on the field talking to Barry Sanders, and he dropped a bombshell, almost fell out of my chair when he was <laughs> telling me. He's like, you know, yeah, with uh, Joe Montana called me, as in Wayne Fonts, the head coach right. of the Detroit Lions, and said, I want to come play with Barry Sanders. So I go to the general manager, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment. I shouldn't remember, but yeah, I try like to forget Chuck, as much as I Chuck something or whether I go to him and say, Joe Montana wants to come play for us. He's like, he's too old and he's washed up. No. <laughs> so a little bit further down the road, Warren Moon becomes available and going into the 94 season while, you know, Houston is on fire uh, with yeah. Bud Adams and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, nope, too old, too washed up. Meanwhile, both of those guys not only went and had success with their other teams, but took them to the playoffs especially Warren Moon, who beat yeah. you guys twice in order to do that and make the playoffs a few times in the mid-90s, even though he was like 37, 38 when he joined uh, right. the Vikings. And then, you know, Joe Montana just took the Chiefs to an AFC championship game, uh, you know, and everything, while, while beating Warren Moon in Houston uh, in 93 to, uh, to do that. But no, we're going to go with Scott Mitchell uh, instead of two future Hall of Famers. Like they were, it's not like they might be in the Hall of Fame someday. It's like no, Moon and Montana are going to the Hall of Fame whenever they finish their careers. That was the thought in '93 when they were available. Now we're going to go with Scott Mitchell because you know 
he wasn't terrible when, when Dan Marino blew out his Achilles uh, last season. This is the guy that we're going to go with. And Scott Mitchell was such a feast or famine guy. Because yeah. when he wasn't throwing touchdowns, because he was really good at that, uh, he was throwing interceptions. And right. uh, it was like having a left-handed Brett Favre on your team. Right. Uh, so. Yeah. And, and of course, I, I think I, I let you know after that that Scott Mitchell was so pissed off about the documentary. <laughs> he really was, man. <laughs> which, which is funny because I – you know, I'd, I'd heard that story before I'd watched the documentary. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm watching the documentary waiting for like someone to just crap on, on, on him and, and how horrible of a quarterback he was. And that never happened. Yeah. I don't, I literally don't know if his name was ever mentioned in the documentary and maybe that's why he was upset. But I think he's also upset about that, that kind of insinuation that like they had a chance at Joe Montana and they stuck with whoever their crappy quarterback was. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, I mean, it's Joe Montana. It's it's not an insult to say the Lions may have made a mistake not getting a Hall of Fame quarterback right. that wanted to play for their franchise. Yeah, I mean, especially since the um, you know, for lack of a better term, stink of the Lions being the Lions hadn't exactly gone away at that point. Right. You know, like the the success in '91 was immediately followed by like a five and eleven season. In right. 92, but 93, 94, you get back to the back to the playoffs uh, uh, and everything. But, yeah. you know, so it's like it was quite a thing. Like what a boost it would have been right. to have Montana I mean, or just, even just, Warren Moon come play for you guys. And I just like I like it just like shudder to think what that would have looked like for right. you guys. I mean, if, if the, either one of those guys was suited up for you. It's just I mean, and, and just even even having your franchise in a spot for a a brief moment in history where the NFL's greatest names and players want to play for your franchise. And your response to having your franchise in that state is no, thanks. No, we we know that, that you guys love us and we have this great opportunity here and um, we're just going to keep it in house. Like it's, it's, it's insane to think about because every team is like, I mean, it, especially in like the Twitter era, right? When any single player that has a household name gets released or a rumor is, is that the, they're on the trade dead, you know, the trade block, mm-hmm. 31 other franchises, their fans flood to Twitter and, and at their team social media and say, go get that guy, go get that guy, go get that guy. Everyone wants their team to feel wanted and players to come one. To, to come to their team. Yeah. That's never been the case in Detroit, except for, I guess, this one flash moment in franchise history. And then I'm like, nah, we're not going to take advantage of the, the good press, the good future that, that our franchise holds because we have this dynamic player that everyone sees as about to take the lead by storm. Yeah, and, and, and I felt bad for Wayne Fonts on two fronts. Number one, that he got turned down, but then yeah. he had to be the one to go and make the call and tell Joe Montana that they weren't interested. <laughs> right. And I'm sure Joe Montana was on the other phone, on the other line, like the balls on these guys, man. Can right. you believe it? I want to come to Detroit, and you don't want me. That's ridiculous. You know, it's like, come on. So, yeah, I, I like I felt terrible for Fonts on, on on two fronts. There, he had to go into that guy's office only for him to be like, nah, that's all right. We don't need Hall of Famers here, and uh, <laughs> you know, or more than one. We got one already. We don't need another one. So, yeah. just go ahead and and uh, say no. One at a time. It's like he's begging us to go and get him, to bring him here, to bring him in. And 
I don't was Montana a free agent or did they because I don't remember if Kansas City had a trade for him or if he was a free agent. That's a good question. I think he was a free agent, but that's I mean, my Joe Montana history isn't up to par here. Right, you know, and I live It would be if you would have been a lion, you know, I'd probably know a lot more about Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. You know chapter and verse how it was you acquired one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And uh, you'd probably be, you know, you know, shining up one of those uh, Lombardis or something if you got Montana mm-hmm. throwing the ball around to Herman Moore and uh, mm-hmm. and all those guys uh, back then. So, yeah, nice. <laughs> just like I was, I've literally blown away by that because you would think that the general manager of the Lions, hearing that Joe Montana wants to come play for him, that his first thought would be like, "What's his number?" Yeah how how, how can that be? How can you not have any other reaction? And, and yes, he is a, he was in his thirties at the time and and maybe not playing his best football, but. Jeez, like, I don't know. And Chuck Schmidt is, is the GM's name. Chuck um, Schmidt, right. That's it. Um, yeah. And, and the, you know, ever since that documentary dropped and that story dropped, I, I've been asking a, around about him. And they're just, the, the, the answer was always the same about the, the, the general thought of Chuck Schmidt. And it's just, it's a non football guy being a, a business owner and just not knowing the game of football, not knowing that an old quarterback does not necessarily mean a bad quarterback. And in, in fact, some of the best quarterbacks play their best football in their thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a guy who's, who just manages the books and, um, it, and that's why, you know, they didn't, they didn't keep around some of the best players that they did have yeah. and, and extend those guys. It was, it was a by the books type of thing that, you know, we can't balance the books if we keep this guy or we can't figure what, whatever out. And uh, you'd think a, a guy that, that is so much about like the, the finances of a team would think about, Oh, think of all the Joe Montana jerseys that we're going to sell or that sort of, you know, cars that, that, that he can, you know, Ford cars that he can push. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nope. Or the fact that this place will never not be sold out as long as Joe Montana is right. wearing a lion's uniform or the fact that, you know, we're probably going to be on national TV, which means more exposure for the team and right. all that kind of stuff. It's like how the, how the big picture fell apart on that one because Montana was on the wrong side of 30 is is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So especially since he had a few productive seasons after, you know, which he very yeah. well could have done for Detroit uh, and everything. It just, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun uh, what if. And, of course, Warren Moon – was my guy. Like he was my favorite player in the league after Walter Payton yeah. retired. And, uh, you know, it was like, I somehow swallowed my pride to root for the Vikings, uh, you know, and everything. So it's like, Hey man, I, I could have done it for Detroit and, and with Barry Sanders too, who knows right. how that would have turned out. Cause moon didn't retire till like 2001. Right. You know? He was, he was closing in on 50 when he finally hung it up. But it's just like, man, he could have been in Detroit for a while. And that could have been something especially since Moon could have stepped right into the run-and-shoot yeah. uh, offense yeah. as opposed oh, yeah. to you might have had to change the offense up a bit with uh, Montana, like more of a right. West Coast offense uh, kind of thing. But uh, it would have been an, uh, an interesting sacrifice to make to uh, change up the offense a bit to more of a West Coast, you know, running approach type thing with uh, Montana. And I was like, you know, personally I probably would have gone with Moon cause, uh, just because – Scheme wise, it probably would have made more sense, yeah, uh, to bring in a run and shoot quarterback to lead a run and shoot offense, uh, kind of thing. But the fact that that guy blew them both off like that, and I'm and I'm sure it's a bit more simplified than, uh, sure. th- that you know Wayne Fonts was putting it, but it was like bottom line was, 
nah, they're too old. They're washed up. We don't want them. Right, and, and yeah, I mean, there, I guess there's something. If you, you thought Scott Mitchell was your guy, or the long-term guy, he is younger. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's if you think you have your long-term 10-year, 15-year quarterback, then then maybe you aren't targeting a Joe Montana. But um, you know, it's a it's a it's a documentary about why the Lions sucked when Barry was there, and so you kind of have to make that the the main narrative of of the piece. But yeah. but again, like it's not often that you have Hall of Fame quarterbacks falling into your lap like that, and you say no. Yeah, yeah. So, But I thought it was a good documentary. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Like you, it brought back a lot of memories about what that time what that time was like because in one season, I think 94 was the season. Mm-hmm. Like it was because there were only three divisions back then, the East, the West, and the Central. Right. And it was like the East champion, the West champion, and then four teams out of the Central made the playoffs uh, one year. The only team in the division not to make the playoffs was the Buccaneers. The the Bears, yeah, yeah, the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions, and the uh, Packers all made the playoffs, uh, along (laughs) with, like, the 49ers and the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, that was your playoff field in, in like, 94 uh, or something like that. So it was, uh, yeah, one of those those seasons that was really interesting where basically the entire division – Makes the playoffs that one year, so yeah. Plus, yeah. I mean, a, a Barry documentary is not hard. All you have to do is just put Barry Sanders highlights up there for like eighty percent of it, and people are going to enjoy it because there there isn't a better highlight reel player in the NFL no. than Barry Sanders, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, man. And if the, it was kind of disappointing, I mean, I was definitely disappointed when I heard that he was retiring uh, back then, and. Um, because he was, he literally could have broken Walter Payton's record that season. Yeah, like it could have happened uh, that year. And if anybody was going to do it, I wanted it to be Barry Sanders, mostly because he did it in the same way that that Walter Payton did. You know, where right. a lot of his career, he didn't play for very good football teams. Like all of Payton's best teams happened at the end of his career, whereas Sanders was kind of like more in the middle. Of his right. uh, of his yep. career, but it's like even you know those uh, mostly lean seasons where it's literally Barry Sanders or nothing, as far as like how we're getting the ball down the field or how we're generating points. And as for all the respect in the world that I have for Emmett Smith, there are like eight Hall of Famers on the team that he played on. You know, he had the best offensive line in football every single right. year. Where there are like so many years for Barry and for sweetness where it was just like we made our offensive line look good but for all intents and purposes those guys were just there to fill in roster spots and you know aside from the Lomas Browns of the offensive line there weren't a whole lot of all pro or or, you know even pro bowl talented guys on those lines but Barry Sanders was cranking out thousand yard seasons every year no matter what um you know and it's like he was definitely the guy that I wanted uh, to break it, and unfortunately, he hung him up before he could. And then Barry Sand, or excuse me, uh, Smith played behind, you know, world class offensive lines for another six years, and then finally broke it in like 2003. And then as soon as he did, Dallas cut him. <laughs> right, he was gone the next season. He was gone after that. So yeah, okay, but yeah. So yeah, but it was uh, yeah, but I enjoyed the uh, the documentary. Yeah. And um, to me, it was kind of funny, like what my theory was versus to what it actually was right. as to why he retired. And it's like, yeah, 
That makes sense. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they just they just sold off all my teammates. I didn't really know these guys, and you know the guys that I played with so many years. Just, they just let them go. You know, yeah. they let them go, and for money that it's just like because it's like, oh, Lomas Brown left for three years and nine million dollars. It's like even back in like ninety four, ninety five, that was not right. break the bank money. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. like, nope, can't keep him around. And even though he's well into his thirties and still playing like a world champ and all that kind of stuff, and it's just like. Yep, one after another. Just, and there was like a graphic they showed in like one of the games. Here are all the teammates that he's missing, and there were like right. nine guys uh, yeah. that were all there that would you know been sold off in, in free agency or that the Lions didn't want to pay, and they weren't exactly bringing in draft classes that were going to fill the fill the holes uh, right. or anything. So it was like, yeah, you know, it's like you've been thinking about quitting, but it's like all your team, all your teammates, all your friends. Uh, are gone you feel like you're doing it by yourself you don't really feel like you want to do it anymore and on top of it this is a guy that they emphasized or could not emphasize enough how little he cares about records and accolades right so um he wasn't going to stick it out just to break the record right you know it's like, yeah, he, he also he also finished with 99 touchdowns rushing touchdowns I right think, which which is also just something that always like makes my skin crawl when i see it <laughs> so but yeah, man, it it was a, it was a great documentary. I I, I enjoyed it, and um, yeah, it was uh, funny that uh, how logical the reason is like, yeah. And, and but it also kind of felt silly because, like you said, they sold this thing on yeah. why it was that he quit. It'll finally be revealed. Oh, yeah, that the Lions sucked while he was there. Oh, yeah. okay. And that they were you know, mismanaged. Great. He, yeah, he hated I had management. No idea that, that was going on. Yeah, he hated management <laughs> and didn't want to sacrifice his body for them anymore. Yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah. So yeah, but it. Uh, Good job by the Amazon marketing team. Yeah, they, they wrote this in. I was going to watch it anyway, but oh, when they well. said and made it sound like, but that's where the the conspiracy theory started spinning around in my head. It's like, right. it's finally going to be revealed. Like, oh, did his dad make him do it, or you know, was it something else? Or wait a minute, what if he's gay? Was he gay? Because this wasn't a time that that was okay, or right. you know, or wasn't as uh, you know accepted and and all that kind of stuff. Is like. Yeah. A football player being gay? Oh my God! It would have been the end of the world, and it's and it's Barry Sanders of all people. Like, no, no, that wasn't it. It was just, uh, yeah, I, I I did not. I wasn't happy with the team anymore. All my friends were gone, and I didn't want to do it anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. It sucks, yeah. but it makes sense. Makes all yeah. the sense in the world. So, yeah, so. All right, so real quick, let's wrap up here, uh, Jeremy. What uh, what are you looking at for Sunday? Well, um, to me, it's it's it, to me it feels like a trenches game, uh-huh. um, especially if if the weather is going to be bad. Which I don't know; it's it's hard to tell this far out. Some or I think early on the week it was like it's going to be rainy and cold. Now it's like actually it's going to be fine and it's not even going to be windy. So we'll see what uh, what it looks like when we actually get to game time. But both teams, like like I said, they love to run the ball. They love to stop the run, and it it, it might be a good week to to catch the lines in particular because they. It looks like they're probably not going to have Frank Rag now. They're, they're all pro center. Um, you know, one of their best defensive players on a defense that's been struggling, Lee McNeil, just went on IR this week. Right. Um, so, you know, for, for a team that, that really loves to run the ball and, and really loves to stop the run, losing your nose tackle and losing your center in, in the same week is, is going to, you know, throw a wrench into those plans. So I'm, I'm curious if the Lions are going to be able to still continue to to have that identity or if maybe they get a little bit more aggressive on both sides of the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how it's all going to uh, unfold. While I give credit for Eberflus, um, it wasn't a high bar to cross when it comes to looking prepared after the bye, sure. after how poorly Nagy did it for four mm. seasons. Um, even mini buys, just like just like yeah. like they just got back together to practice for the first time this morning. Uh, you know, like that's how un- unorganized and unprepared the Bears would look coming off of a, a bye under Matt Nagy. And I think his record on the bye was, including mini buys, was something like two and seven or two and <laughs> some, something outrageous like that. Like it's just it bananas. Like the Bears coming off the bye, that's easy money for the other team. So, um, you know, Eberflus has done a better job of that. And, um, you know, but it's just, it's, They've been so inconsistent yeah. that I, I, it's, it's hard to – like, I know what this team is capable of. That's the frustrating part. Sure. We've, we've seen, and in fact, just three weeks ago against you guys and how that looked and, uh, you know, the way the defense basically shut the Vikings down on, on Monday Night Football and holding them to 10 points and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. The defense has been trending up, you know, since like week seven or something like that beginning with the beginning with the first Vikings game really yeah. you know we only allowed 12 points in that game it was the offense giving up the touchdown that ended up being the difference uh in that one and you know that this is an uh, the team that's been trending up or defense has been trending up it's the offense that's been so far behind and it's it's a combination of the players not making the plays and our offensive coordinator boggling everyone's mind with his game plans so, you know, like you just wonder what 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 they're going to what they're going to do. I mean, it's just like Vikings game number one. Getsy goes out there like he didn't know that Brian Flores likes to blitz sixty to eighty percent of the time, and right. gets Justin Fields killed. And then Vikings game number two, his answer for that is every quick screen ever designed in the history of pro football. <laughs> It was incredible. It was unbelievable. So, and I'm glad I didn't have to watch it live because I was at the Kiss concert. I got to watch the uh, condensed version on uh, NFL Plus the day after, and even that was a painful forty something minutes. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, what, what are we doing? And then at the end, you know, he's like, "We've got Justin Fields throwing the ball down the middle of the field. Look at that! Look yeah. at that! It's it's working. There's DJ Moore, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it's just." Yeah, it's um, and and that's why I, I'm I'm more confident in the Lions winning than I am the Bears. I think the Bears can, and I think they proved yeah. that three weeks yeah. ago that they are capable of beating the Lions. But I just I don't trust the team. I don't trust the coaches. That yeah. something will happen that will be inexplicable, or that will make everyone sit there and scratch their heads, like how did this happen? Why did this happen? And that'll be it, you know. Yeah. And that will be the difference in there uh, somewhere that there will be some kind of mistake where we make this kind of call or, you know, this one thing or another. And, and, you know, that's where the, the lines will come in. And, uh, cause for all of the effort that, uh, Darnell Wright put in against Hutchinson that day, all it took was one play and he happened to have it right there at the very end, Yeah, you know, and it just, yeah. uh, he did a hell of a job against Hutchinson in that one. And then he comes in on that final play and it's like, yep, that's, that's the difference right there. That's why they're eight and two and we're three and seven or whatever the hell we were yeah. uh, after that week. And it's like, that's, that's why right there, right there is that when it comes down to these moments, 
those teams make the plays and we don't. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens uh, on Sunday. And uh, according to my weather app, it's supposed to be 35 and cloudy. There so I don't know if that will change to any kind of precipitation or anything, but uh, that's what I we're looking not. at right now. So we, nice don't, we don't need another sloppy <laughs> field game there. Nah, no. So, well, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for coming and hanging out with us, uh, talking about the documentary, reminiscing about Wayne Fonts. Talk about a guy who had a thousand lives as a head coach, man. Right. You know, just when they thought the Lions were this close to getting fired, they win five in a row and make the playoffs. Because right. uh, what was it? Uh, Chris Berman called him like Rasputin uh, on ESPN, <laughs> like because he just wouldn't die. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like Rasputin was killed a thousand times, but the guy kept coming back. That was Wayne Fonts and the Lions. Just when you thought they were done, they'd go on a run and make a playoff or get real close to where you had to bring them back uh, the next season. So. All right, man. So uh, where can we uh, keep up with you in the meantime? I guess it's going to be a while before we get a chance to talk to you again. Yeah, I mean, unless you guys make a, a playoff run here. Um, hey, why not? You know? <laughs> why not? Uh, yeah, no, you can find me at, at Pride of Detroit, um, where, where we have all sorts of preview post-game articles. Um, I always like to promote our, our live um, streaming stuff that we do because I think that's a lot of fun. Um, you can come in and, and say whatever you want in our, in our live chats. We're, we're on Twitch and YouTube now. We stream live on both platforms. So uh, just search Pride Detroit on those platforms. And then you can find me on Twitter at Detroit on the Lion, all one Detroit online. All right. Jeremy Reisman helping us preview week 14 between the Bears and the Lions. It's my favorite rivalry in the division because – it actually turns out to be a rivalry when these two teams uh, play. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again real soon, my friend. All right. Sounds good. As always, love having uh, Jeremy on the show. want to thank him for coming back. Looking forward to talking to him again uh, sooner rather than later. We discussed off, uh, off camera or off mic, I should say, that um, probably have to, since I am a uh, NFL Plus subscriber, um, don't know how much longer I'm going to hang on to it now that I don't really need it anymore. But I might hang on to it, actually, as a... Uh, because you in in NFL Plus they have a library of of games and Jeremy and I have always been trying I've been trying to get Jeremy on for the retro rewind show during the off season and to um, try to find a game between the Bears and the Lions that would be a good one to talk about uh, there. So I mean there are certainly some good candidates and we can go back as far as I think two thousand and nine I think he said which. Uh, Eliminates the number one game I want to talk about, which was the one in 2007. It was like week four, 2007. Uh, Lovey finally benches Rex Grossman. Brian Greasy is, that's his first game as our starting quarterback. At the start of the fourth quarter, the score is 13-3 to in favor of the Bears. The final score of the game was like 37-27 to or something crazy like that. There was just... There were literally like 40-something points scored in the fourth quarter combined, the Lions scoring 34 of them and coming away with the win. And on the cherry on top was, of course, I was there. 
I was at that game in Detroit and uh, got to see Devin Hester score a crazy touchdown on a kickoff return in the fourth quarter. So, yeah. But the library doesn't go back far enough, so we can't do that game, unfortunately. So we'll find one, get him back on the show, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk some old school Bears, uh, Lions, and uh, see which game to talk about. Maybe we'll do the catch game in 2010, the one where Calvin Johnson caught a Hail Mary, but he didn't because he didn't complete the process of the catch or whatever, and that was the moment where that whole controversy began. That was the game right there where what is a catch started. And uh, so maybe we'll talk about that one. Or There there are some other some pretty great candidates. There was that game in 2011 where where Matt Stafford pulled DJ Moore off the, uh, the old DJ Moore off of the field by his face mask, and somehow Moore was the one who got ejected from the game. So I kind of think that fell under the category of uh, um, don't be the second guy. So, anyway, let's go ahead and wrap things up. We'll look forward to having Jeremy on uh, sometime during the offseason. If not, then uh, we always love talking to him during the year. Keys to the game, and I only have two as to my, you know, as, instead of my usual three. I only got two, and of course, they are basically to not do what we did in the first game. <laughs> And key number one is play to win like you did for about the first 90% of the first game. Be aggressive and stay that way until the clock says zero. Okay, don't get conservative. Don't rely on the defense. Just stay aggressive. You know, it's it's the only way we can even sniff the postseason is if we stay aggressive. We have to win out. Period. We need to be nine and eight to make the playoffs. I mean, and I'm not saying that the Bears have a shot, but it's just we're in the NFC and the Bears are in that in the hunt graphic now because at four and eight, we're only two games back of the six and seven seeds who are both six and six right now. So, yeah, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, at least not yet anyway. But if we want to do it, we have to keep winning. In fact, we have to win them all because we're not going to make the playoffs at 7-10 and 10 or you know 8-9. We're going to have to win 9-8 and eight because we're not in the NFC South. We're not going to be able to putz our way through this season and still make the playoffs. Evidenced by the fact that the 5-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers could be in first place of the NFC South if they beat the Falcons this weekend. The Falcons are in first place at 6-6. Six and six. If the Buccaneers win, they're in first place. And this was after like losing 5 of 6, after starting 5-3-1. and, three and one. They're 5-7 and seven right now. So they've won two out of their last, what, six games? Two out of the last eight, I should say. Two out of their last eight. Yeah. And they're playing for first place this weekend. That's the kind of division that is. But we don't play in that division Unfortunately, we're in the same division with two 6-6 six and six teams and a 9-3 and three team that's knocking on the door for the number one seed right now. Outside shot. So, yeah, we have to keep winning. The only way to do that is if you stay aggressive. All gas, no breaks as far as, you know, playing to win each and every week. You know, you can't get conservative and, and lay up. you got to keep 
your foot on the gas. You know, for better, for worse. Like I said, a thousand times. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite and bitch about it. I'm telling you guys. Okay? I would much rather... I would much rather, like, you know, like I've said a thousand times about the defense, I would much rather get beat off the blitz than to sit there trying to get home with four and have the guy pick us apart. Okay, send five, send six, send seven, send whatever it's going to take to get to the quarterback rather than let that guy sit there in the pocket and tear us to pieces. Same thing on on offense. I would much rather go for it on fourth and one than to take the field goal only to watch them just run it right back down the field and and to you know to have that hurt us because we went for three when when a touchdown would have put the game away you know that kind of thing so be aggressive and stay that way key number 2 if the lions make a mistake like they did in the first game make them pay for it Make them pay for it. Three golf interceptions netted the Bears three points in that first game. One stinking field goal out of three interceptions in that. In fact, one of them, after one of them, the Bears turned the ball over as well. I think that was the Tyler Scott fumble. He fumbles it, and then the Lions turn that into a touchdown. That's what you're supposed to do when the, when your team when your opponent makes a mistake. You make them pay for that mistake. The, the friggin' Vikings did the same thing a week later on Monday Night Football. Four Josh Dobbs interceptions, three points for the Bears. Okay? One fumble from Justin Fields, the first one, in the, first, in the fourth quarter, was the touchdown, was the drive that the uh, Vikings took the lead with the touchdown to go up 10 to 9. Thankfully, the defense nullified the second one, but that first one could have been the game winner. You know? So, in fact, I think the Bears only had two turnovers in that game against Detroit. Both of them netted points for the Lions. One being the touchdown after uh, the fumble and the other being the safety. So, I mean, like the play that they there were, that was the turnover generated points for the Lions. So that, that was the nail in the coffin off of, you know, basically what the game was already over at that point. But we have had eight turnovers in the last two games with a grand total of 13 points to show for it. And if it wouldn't even be that high, but it's like the, the, the three interceptions from golf, three points. Four interceptions of Josh Dobbs, three points. We got a touchdown off of that kickoff uh, fumble. When the Bears kicked off to the to the Lions, kid fumbles the ball. That was the DJ Moore touchdown pass from Justin Fields. That was that drive. So if not for that, seven turnovers, six points. That's you're not going to win doing that. You know to to keep. To keep giving the offense the ball back and for the offense to do nothing with it, you can't do that. You're just begging the team to come back on you, just like they did. Just like they did. Four Josh Dobbs interceptions, three field goals, one turnover from us, touchdown, and now they're winning the game. So, yeah, we, we, we got to be more advantageous when it, when, we come to, uh, when, when it comes to getting the ball. You know, if we can force the turnovers again, 
we got to turn them into points. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's virtually pointless. So, yeah, we uh, we got to do better because both Minnesota and the Lions made us pay for the turnovers that we uh, gave up in those games. You know, both teams scoring touchdowns on us as a result of turnovers. The Bears, seven turnovers, six points. Can't do it. Got to be aggressive. Got to get those points on the board. Got to get in the end zone. Make them really pay for these mistakes. So, there you go, guys. That's all I got. That is the Week 14 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground Comeback on Monday when we will review this game. Did the Bears, uh, you know, benefit from the week off? Did we, uh, were we were healthy and full strength, and did it show? Did we stay aggressive? Did we play for all 60 minutes? Did we win the game? Or is it truly over at 4-9, and nine and uh, now we're just uh, kind of playing out the string uh, at this point? So come back on Monday and find out. And until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.